Welcome to another episode of Hockett Podcast. Today, I have a former chef, father, husband, and podcaster, Nate, from Reality Czar's Podcast. How's it going? Good, man. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. So let's start with your podcast. What is Reality Czar's Podcast about? It's about anything and everything, dude. Honestly, uh, we started the show close to two years now. I think in June, it's going to be two years old. And it was me and a buddy. Um, we are both uh, called agorists is what we are. That's like our political affiliation, which is like black market anarchy. Um, and we uh, we just like we one day we were uh, we had just killed a pig and we were taking it. Oh, I guess we killed like three pigs. I don't know. We killed a few pigs uh, from my uh, my wife's aunt's farm. And we were taking it to another agorist class. We were going to teach some butchery. Um, and we were like taking a drive. And it was like about three hours away. It was like near Seattle. So we were driving up to, through Washington. And we just sat there and had this awesome conversation. And I had like my teenager in the back with his buddies. And they were asking us questions about like 9-11 and all kinds of crazy stuff and about like government and all this. And so we just sat there and had this like awesome conversation. And we just decided, hey, dude, we could fucking record this. We like we were both like podcast fans. We loved podcasts and things like that. We're like, Why the fuck don't we have one? You know, we should start one. Uh, not that I never expected anybody to like listen to our show or like it. Uh, so it started very like freedom. This was in the height. It was like 2020, I think, is when we started or 2021. We started in 2021. But this was like like the heat of lockdown in Oregon. Uh, like we weren't even supposed to go into Washington. Like it's one state away, but if you went into Washington, you were supposed to like uh, quarantine yourself for two weeks after you got back. Uh, fuck you. Um, so, anyways, uh, we just started talking, dude, and we just had a good conversation, and that's how the show started. But what is it? And what is it about? Like now, like we've, um, it's about like, I, well, we brought on another co-host. His name is Thomas, the paranoid American. Shout out to Thomas. Um, and dude, we talk about anything and everything. We're talking about like cult knowledge. We're talking about like, uh, I don't know, like politics, maybe. Then we'll talk about like cryptids and we'll talk about like tranny sex changes. Well, I mean, we'll talk about anything or everything, dude. We just, we're just literally just trying to explore ideas, um, and just have a good time. So we like to have guests on, um, with interesting opinions or ideas and we just, just try to have fun, man. I don't want to have an agenda to the show. I just want to have like interesting people on and have fun conversations. And so sometimes we'll do like a specific episode about a thing, but usually no. So who's been your favorite guest on so far on your show? God damn, that's a hard question. Um, you know, I've been asked this a few times um, and it's hard. I, I can give you like a top five. Obviously, I got to put David Icke in there. Holy shit, we had a fucking fantastic conversation. It was a very Gnostic conversation. Um, that was, uh, to me, dude, like, he was blowing my fucking mind. The guy's just, he's, he's an OG, dude. And, like, we just had this awesome conversation. Uh, Ole Damagard, um, fucking brilliant, dude. Uh, I call him, like, the spiritual general, dude. He's, he's fucking amazing. We had an epic conversation. Um, Top, you know, I'm actually gonna have to pull up my show because I, <laughs> uh, I the one that we just recorded actually with uh, I haven't put it out yet with Joe and Jen from Legit Bat. 
that was a fucking fantastic conversation. Um, but dude, oh, you know what? One that I really like a lot. Um, we did not that long ago. We did. I have some Orthodox Christian brothers. We had them come on, and like I've been curious about like Christian Orthodoxy. So I just had like some smart people come on my show, and we just fucking like threw questions at them and had a, like a good time. It was like a like a group panel episode. That was a really, really good show. Um, and let me see. I'll try to give you an actual better answer here. Um, well, when I had like uh, Lanny and Chud X on, uh, do you know those guys? You know, I've heard about them. Yeah, dude. I love those guys, dude. From Greener Postures in the world as it is today. Um, I just really like them a lot. So like we had we had a great conversation. Oh, I, I can't give you a better answer. I don't think. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, maybe talking with uh, Esoteric Eddie about some weird shit. That was fun. I have no idea, man. I'm sorry. That's not a good answer. <laughs> so since since it's going to be two years since you started your show, what's your proudest moment of your podcast? Proudest moment of my podcast, man. Um, well, we're about to, I think we're about to break 500,000 downloads or half a million downloads here pretty soon. So that's, uh, going to happen, <laughs> but proudest moment. Um, okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe this, um, talking to Richard Grove or James Evan Pilato. Mm-hmm. Those are probably my proudest moments. Like uh, James Evan Pilato is like my favorite podcaster, and I listen to him every single day. So shout out to him. His show is called The Media Monarchy. Um, it's my favorite fucking show. It's a daily show, five days a week, and he's just the man. And getting to hear him, or getting to like talk to him and just have fun with him and just asking questions, that was awesome. Uh, Richard Grove is my first like big red pill into like uh, like he was the first truther I'd ever listened to. Um, and he just blew my fucking mind. He has a show called Grand Theft World, um, and he's he's the man. Anybody go check out that show, or go back and check out his archives because that's what I did. He had a show called the Peace Revolution Podcast, um, and TragedyandHope.com. That man is the fucking man. He he like teaches the quadrivium. It's like a method of like thinking and like critical like critical thinking and like questioning. And uh, he's just dude. He's just fucking awesome. Getting to talk to Richard Grove, that was like a dream come true, dude. So maybe that. I don't know. <laughs> so going back to the question I asked you before, so you mentioned you almost up to 5,000 downloads. What else are you proud about your show? What, oh, man. I, I'm i just excited that people actually want to listen to me speak for some reason. <laughs> like, that's cool. Uh, it's, been, it's been neat, man. Like, our, our dumb little show just out of nowhere. I think going into 2022, we were at like 10,000 downloads. And then like the beginning of 2023, we had broke like 200,000. So like we fucking, that was a year of growth. It was fucking nuts, dude. So now what was one event or topic that made you question the world we live in now? Dude, there's been so many. Um, Okay, man, okay. Let me see. Definitely talking to David Weiss the first time, having him come on, 
and rock my world by uh, some flat earth. Um, that's interesting. I'm still, I don't know where the hell I'm at. And then I've had, you know, several people on to come on and talk about flat earth and I respect flat earthers a lot. I think that they are fucking smart and they know the math a hell of a lot better than me. Um, I question like the nature if like this is even fucking real or not. So I, I don't even know if it's flat because I, I don't know what the fuck we're like. This feels like a video game to me, but I will say like, my surroundings and everything around me, it, it seems pretty fucking flat. I don't know. Uh, so I don't know that maybe, or dude, uh, the secret space program shit. Like I, I definitely had on a few guests that were, uh, were, you know, talking some secret space program, talking about 20 and back and all this, like going up and doing all this stuff. And then, um, having on writer Lee, um, not that long ago. So raised by giants, shout out to him. Um, he came on to talk about like Corey Good. I don't know if you know who that is. I have no idea who he is. Corey Good is a very, very famous um, liar now. <laughs> he had been a very like um, talking about the space program. He basically like made up the whole thing. Like he he like made it a thing. He like told everybody about the twenty and back and about like so he it, like the idea is like they take you at like 10 years old or something or some young age. Sometimes maybe you're an adult and they take you for 20 years and then they shoot you back and no time is elapsed. They like shrink you back or whatever. And then he talked about a bunch of bullshit, dude, these blue avians, these aliens. And he started a thing because like, there's still like hundreds of thousands of people that believe in this shit. And he was on Gaia. If you know what that network is. I have, um, I've heard about them before. The more and more I look at a guy, I think they're just fucking charlatans. I'm calling them hard, dude. I think they're fucking low. I think they're talented. Like some of it, like there's probably that, that's is that there's probably like seventy five percent good shit on there. But then there's this big wild fucking crazy twenty five percent that sucks a bag of dicks, but it's exciting. And they're like, wow, and it gets low IQ or crazy people or just like people that are looking for something desperate, like sad people to buy into their bullshit. And dude, it's, it's fucking sad anyway. So he was trying to, I guess him and Gaia had a breakup, right? They were like mm -hmm. having, having problems. So he wanted to get the fuck out of there and Gaia was like, okay, whatever. And they were still running secret space program bullshit. And he was like, that's my IP. That's my intellectual property. I made that up. And so like he took him to court and he, his like lawyer didn't file the right paperwork to like seal his, um, his statements and things. But he basically admitted that he was like, no, it's all bullshit. None of it's real. I made it up. It's my intellectual property. It's my stories. <laughs> and, and then that leaked. And then and now everyone is like, Oh fuck. <laughs> but there's still dude, it's so fucking sad. There's still a ton of people that buy it and believe it still right now. Anyways, that was probably a good mind blower one cuz like I feel bad cuz like dude, I've had a few of those SSP guys on and they're they're really nice guys. They're really and gals, I had a gal on that was talking about it and like um 
it's just it's clearly bullshit. And I'm not calling them liars because I think they believe it. I think they believe in like that to me is kind of one of those things. It's like, well, what really happened to them? You know, <laughs> something terrible. <laughs> so now what is your opinion on our stupid government then? Uh, I'm an anarchist, brother. I wanted to burn to the fucking ground. And in Minecraft, wink, 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 I wouldn't mind if there were some guillotines. And we just laid out every single politician, every single congressman, lawyers, uh, get the bankers, and just... <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. <laughs> I don't consider myself anything, but I'm kind of leaning towards that because I've seen a lot of shit in the last three years that I've gone on. you like, yeah, the government's not on our side at all. No, dude. And I mean, in any delusion of like um, their them having legitimacy because uh, they have um, the consent of the governed, it's clearly out the goddamn window. Like when, like especially in Canada, they're going fucking full on commie like mm -hmm. hellhole over there. Like when he like that single mom like gave like twenty bucks to the fucking to the freedom brigade over there and they're like okay well we're gonna lock your we're gonna lock your fucking bank account oh oh you're gonna fucking lose your house oh that sucks you know <laughs> just like they don't give you shit dude and like i don't know exactly what it is but they just pass some bullshit um that is like i was i talked to uh shout out to him strange brew a tomcat he told me a little bit about it they they just passed some shit um Anyways, like, I don't know the details because I'm not very smart. But they, basically, if, like, if it's not Canadian enough, like, if you're not talking about, like, things that are – or if – I think if you're foreign and you're talking about shit, people aren't going to be able to hear it, see it, access it. Like, they're going to literally, like, censor television, radio, media, and you're like, where the fuck is this? This is happening in Canada because that sounds like North Korea. Mm-hmm. Well, did, <laughs> what the well, fuck? Well, did you hear about that the government here wants to pass on the Act 68 bill? That's the a Patriot a Patriot Act 2.0. I did, man, and they're they're sneaking it under the guise of like China's trying to spy on you, so we got to get rid of TikTok. And then all these like morons on TikTok <laughs> are sitting there like, no, but like I don't I don't think that it should be banned because like first of all. I'm a free speech, free speech absolutist, so I don't care. You should be able to say anything. Like, I, like you could. I literally have no problems with anybody's actually saying horrible things. You should be able to say whatever the fuck you want. Like Hitler's my homeboy, and I like to blow him behind the garage or something. I don't know. Like, say whatever the fuck you want. Like, uh huh. Uh, yeah. So TikTok, I think, is stupid, and they take my videos down, and that's maybe why I'm angry at TikTok. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, did, like, we're like acting like it's some unique evil because China is spying on you through it. But like, people aren't like talking about like the Pegasus bullshit where like all of those governments can, all of them can, can use your device to spy on you. And like, we're trying to pretend like Google doesn't spy on you and YouTube and Facebook and all of this bullshit isn't spying on you. And I, I guess that was a point that Isaac made the other day. He was like, I guess I'd rather, or Isaac Weishop, shout out to Isaac. He said, I guess I'd rather the American government spy on me than the Chinese government. But like the Chinese government spying on us all the time anyways. Like, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, what's crazy There's is there's no not, secrets anymore. Yeah, they don't under, people don't understand like your IP address gets also tracked by the government. So whatever you're doing, they know what you're doing. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Dude, they're they're spying on us so bad, like well, right now, like with my fucking slave device right here, uh, they're listening to our entire conversation. Fuck you. Fuck the government. I hope you die. I'm going to get a knock on my door. <laughs> no, I read the bill and it says that TikTok's not even part of the actual, like the plan to get banned. It's more like to put control of what people see on the internet. So like, for example, if you use like a VPN, you'll get a uh, fine $20,000 and you have to spend jail time as well. In this, in this internet 2.0, this uh, Patriot yeah. app. That's wild, dude. I haven't. My buddy sent me a video with all the details, and like, I've been I've been working. <laughs> I just haven't listened to it yet. I probably need. I just whatever it is. The government's trying to pass something new. I know it's bad. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I'm 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 saying no to. But also, what fucking say do we have? I'm it. You and me. We could be like, don't do that. We don't want to. Patriot Act 2.0 passed. What does that do? Nothing. Nothing. Or we, we just got to vote harder. Where has voting got a, gotten us? Uh, it's good. It got us nowhere, and it's actually made everything worse. It. I feel like there's a wedge between two people, two parties, and they cannot stick the wedge out of the ground to, uh, to have everyone like intermingle with each other and talk things out. Um, it, this is called the Hegelian dialectic. This is problem, reaction, solution. Mm-hmm. We're looking at a uni- a unified uniparty. No matter what, like they have different flavors. Like on this side, you're going to get like, we like Jesus Christ and country music. And on this, this one over here, we're like, we like trannies and we like gays and stuff. But where are they fucking, and whatever. And there's weirdos in the middle. That's great. But, what happens is they both agree, like both right now, left and right, Democrat, Republican, both of them are in favor of funding the Ukraine for some goddamn reason while we're broke. Uh, both of them are always in agreement to like more fucking subsidies to Israel, which makes no fucking sense when we're fucking broke. Both of them are pro-war. Even if we're mm-hmm. Democrats will pretend they're not, but they are. Uh, both of them, like it's the the main things never change. You just get this flavor or this flavor. It's Coke and Pepsi. Coke versus Pepsi. That's all you fucking get. So, I, you, why do you consider yourself an anarchist? Because govern. Well, first of all, uh, I never consented to shit. They tell me that this is some like social contract that I've agreed to in some way, shape or form that mm-hmm. I have agreed. Like they'll even tell you that taxes are voluntary. Do you know that that's what it fucking says that federal taxes are voluntary? What if I don't fucking pay it? They'll voluntarily come over here and point a gun in my face. Mm-hmm. So fuck you. First of all, I believe the flavor of anarchist that I am is called a voluntarist. Okay. So I believe every single interaction between consenting adults should be voluntary and have and have there should be consent between two parties. So 
if there's things that I can't do, let's say Amit, that you are picking up a plant that's on the ground and you're taking it inside your house and you're drying it out and then you want to roll it into a little paper and then you want to smoke that plant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Am I allowed to go fucking pick up a gun, go into your property and say, I'm putting you in a cage because you're a drug addict. And so I drag your ass down to my basement at gunpoint and put you in a fucking cage. I'm an asshole if I do that. But if we give him a badge, then they're allowed to do that? No. Mm-hmm. So you can't vote for someone. That's that's also a problem with me with voting is that like you can't give rights that you don't have. So you can't like give away like you can't I can't vote for you to now have a right that I don't have to give. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like to me um it's all about consent. So like that is what makes me an anarchist because I think that no matter what the law of whatever of government is illegitimate because what a government is, is they are the monopoly on the legitimate quote unquote use of force, right? That's what they are. And so to me, they're the gun in the room. And so you pick up the gun and now the Democrats are in charge. Boom, 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 boom. Or the Republicans are in charge and they wrestle this gun away. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, why in the fuck are we giving them any power anyways? Like we, fuck you. You don't get to tell me how to live my life. If people, if people were able to just mind your own fucking business, Karen, then we could actually have a nice little life. Mm-hmm. We could have a nice little life. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Did you hear about the Budweiser thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's silly, dude. I mean, to me, these are like distractions that like get people all fucking riled up. Oh my God, there's a tranny on my Budweiser can. Meanwhile, it's like, what? <laughs> like, dude, there's like GMOs and like all this dog shit in this horrible piss water that you shouldn't be putting in your body anyways. Like, Fuck this, I'm gonna go drink cores. You know, like, Oh, one piss water to the other piss water. Like, yeah, it's crazy because people don't realize that those companies are owned by one major corporation, and any company you're going to go to, they're going to follow their agenda. If it's one beer company, the that beer company is going to follow the next one. Yeah, absolutely, dude. No, it's fucking, it's completely ridiculous. First of all, I don't really fucking care. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me. I don't care. They can, they can put a fucking tranny on there and like. All right, whatever. Uh, I'm not drinking Bud Light regardless. If they had a tranny on there, or if they had a libertarian anarchist on there like me, I'm fuck your beer. It's gross. Fuck off. Unless Budweiser, you want to give me a sponsorship and give me a shit ton of money, and then I'll sell out immediately. <laughs> so tell us about your 16 year career as a chef. How did you get started with that, dude? I was just a fat kid that loved food. Um, I wanted to, I liked cooking a lot. Like those are my early memories with my mom was like cooking and things. And, um, my first job actually was, um, with a fencing contractor, like building fences and things. And, um, I knocked up my girlfriend. I was in high school. My girlfriend's pregnant. Um, I was on the football team and I was like, Oh fuck, I got to All right. So I quit the football team and I quit high school. 
to do like um, online, you know, at home kind of homeschool kind of bullshit, remote school so that I could get a full time job. And um, I had been doing construction and stuff, but now it was winter and now there's no fucking work because people because if you build a fence in the in when it's rain, the boards well and then they warp and the fence is up. You got to bet shit during the summer. Um, so I had gone to culinary school when I was in high school, um, because I, I took some like college classes, you can like co-enroll and things like that. And I'd failed the class because I just quit showing up. I was like taking bong rips and like drinking beers between class because I was an asshole. And, um, but I'd passed my serve safe because I had been paying attention. I like passed the test and, um, so then I had a little serve safe certificate. And so that's like a national, like, uh, like an accreditation that says that like, and it's not that hard to pass, but like, it's much, it's much more harder than like, if somebody's like talking about a food handlers card, like that most people need for like, this is like, you got to know some shit. So for me, for of alcohols and weed that I was on, I was pretty impressive that I passed that thing. Um, <laughs> But I had my stupid serve save and I just like was like in downtown in old town, just knocking on doors, asking like, hey, do you guys need a cook? Do you guys need a cook? And nobody was going to hire me because I was like 16 and I had no experience. And I probably looked like a fucking thug because I was a retard and I probably had my pants sagged and shit. And <laughs> I probably looked like such an idiot. And uh, um, one spot was like, no, but we need a dishwasher. So I was like, all right. So I, the next day I went in there and started washing dishes and within like, I think it was within six, like six, like four to six months. Uh, I was a cook. Uh, I worked my way up. And then within like a year I was a sous chef there. And, um, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a nice little spot. It was a little Italian spot that did everything from scratch for the most part. And, um, it was fun, man. And I loved it. And my first night, the bartender girl, so I was underage, right? And like, mm-hmm. I kept bragging about how fast I could chug a beer. And they were like, eh, whatever, dude, you can't chug a beer as fast as the bartender. And cute little fucking sexy girl. And she was like, no, you can't drink a beer as fast as me. And I was like, I guarantee you I can't. Because still, to this day, nobody that you've ever met can drink a beer as fast as me. Um, so they're like, okay, fine, let's do this. So they, they poured us some beers and I'm 16 and this is fucking great. And they poured me a big old beer. She had a beer in front of her and like, we were making bets and wagers and putting money in down. And she agreed to flash us and show us her titties if I beat her. And there was like, people put some money down. And so I was like, all right, ready, go. I was like, oh, boom, done. And she was like only halfway through her beer. And she was like, fuck <laughs> so i was like i was 16 years old and i had a buzz and she was like bam showed us her titties and then i got like i don't know like 20 30 bucks out of this because like people were like putting money down and it was pretty fun man and i was like so i got some beer i got some food i saw some titties i was like this isn't a bad life and i was like i maybe i'm just gonna do this for the rest of my life and so that's that was initially what got me into the food service industry was just be because everyone's a dirtbag. 
and but that's what they call us the back of the house the back of the house those are the guys you keep in the fucking back those are the cooks the dishwashers the line cook you know whatever the chefs the prep guys like the guys from nicaragua the guy that's from prison the guy that's like you know done some awful shit uh like vets that are like drug addicts and psychos and and i love those people those are my people so did you have any family members or friends that were also chefs or you were, were the only one in your family that decided to go in the line of work? Uh, my dad was a chef in prison and was always the chef in prison. Oh, like, wow. uh, yeah. So <laughs> for whatever that is, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know that until later. And I was like, for real? It's like, yeah, no, your dad was like an excellent cook and in every fucking work farm or prison that he was in or, uh, yeah, he was always the he was always the cook. He was always the chef. So uh, maybe it's in my blood. I haven't gone to prison, so maybe I've uh, jumped over that hurdle. That's good. So, were there any chefs that you admire the most that made you want to go into the line of work, or you didn't have anyone that you looked up to? Um, no, I didn't have anyone that. Yes, actually, that's that's a lie. That's true. There was one guy that I used to watch on public access TV all the time. So, like PBS. Um, his name was Yan and his show was called Yan can cook. And I fucking love that show. And it, and it used to just make me like hungry as fuck when I was a kid, just sitting there watching him. Like he had this little fucking knife and he'd be like chopping up all these veggies and making like stir fries in his walk. And it, I wanted to eat everything he made. And then I would also like watch Julia Childs as a kid and stuff. So like there was like little dumb cooking shows and that, you know, that I grew up watching. It probably led me to this. And then also, dude, one of the best shows ever created was called Iron Chef. Oh, yeah, and that show was good. I, I used yeah. to watch that a lot. So, like, the, but I'm talking not the American version. If you go back and watch the old Japanese, you know what I'm talking about? I think I know what you're talking about. Continue, but continue on. Oh, dog. And so the show originated in Japan. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, the American version was great, but, like, uh, the Japanese version was so fucking crazy, dude. It was so good. And the shit that they would do would blow your fucking mind. Uh, Morimoto was the, was one of the original chefs and he carried on, he went to the American version. Um, and dude, that was always my dream was to compete on iron chef and get the verse. I would challenge Morimoto. Um, I, dude, how the fuck old is he? I don't think he's doing that kind of shit anymore. And I don't think that show exists anymore, but uh, that was always my fucking fantasy. Um, yeah, if you can, if you can find it, I don't know where it's at. Watch the old Japanese version of Iron Chef. You'll thank me later. It's fan-fucking-tastic. So what was your favorite cuisine, and how many different types of cuisine are you able to make while you were working at the restaurant? Well, so I've worked at several restaurants and I've kind of apprenticed, like worked under several chefs. So if I get home, uh, like I definitely had, you know, I'm a beaner. So I make Mexican food. Like that was like the first things that I would do is like learning how to make fucking Spanish rice, make beans, make fucking like meat, tacos, make tortillas, salsas and things like that. So that was like my background. Uh, and then also like my mom is white trash too. So like how to make fucking gross American food too. And like trashy, yummy, good, like fried bologna sandwiches and bullshit. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that's like my background. Right. But um, early on I got to work with a French chef uh, and he really took me under his wing and I 
like I worked with him a lot. Um, and then I, I've had several mentors that took me under their wings and really showed me a bunch of things, which was fun. Um, but like what I would do personally, like there's a lot that you're going to learn at work, but it's what you're doing outside of work too. Like um, I picked up a couple books. So uh, the first one I picked up, I went to this little, um, this little like used bookstore and it was called La Russe Gastronomique. And it was the first version that they printed in English. Um, and it was wild, dude. And it's like a cooking encyclopedia and it's like from the sixties or seventies and it has all kinds of crazy old school fucking like gangster French bullshit in there. And so I would sit there, I'd go to bed, I'd pass out reading this book. And then I would try out new recipes, try out new recipes. And then I was reading kitchen confidential and, uh, is it the soul of a chef, the heart of a chef, one of those. Um, so there was these two books that I was reading simultaneously as well. And in the soul of a chef, man, I can't remember that guy's Michael something or other. I can't know. Um, in that book, they were talking about this one chef making, um, what's called a gas, um, a uh, Ballantine or a Galantine. So these are two different, uh, but very similar <clears throat> uh, types of entrees, whatever you want to call it, where you take an animal, like so. In this case, we'll say a chicken. Mm -hmm. So you take an you take a chicken and you and you like butterfly it right, and then you remove the meat and bones, and then you make a force meat. So you make like basically like a sausage filling, right? And then you and a bunch of different vegetables and all these different things. And you put it back into the chicken carcass and use the chicken's carcass as a sausage casing. And then you roll this fucker up and then like you tie it like uh, and then you poach them. Uh, that would be a, anyways, if you serve it cold, then it's a galantine. If you serve it hot, it's a ballantine. Um, and then you like slice it. And it, like it, I was like, what the fuck is that? It blew my fucking mind. And so like I like went to LaRousse Gastronomique and I went to like found all these other cookbooks. And so what I did is I was like, well, I can't afford all this shit. Like I can't find a hundred chicken. This is when shit was cheap. This was nice. Okay. So I went and bought like a hundred uh, Cornish game hens and I spent a summer perfecting Ballantines and Galantines. I bought a few ducks. I bought a few quails. I bought a few chickens and a hundred fucking Cornish game hens. And I just sat there I stuffed my freezer and I just sat there and made Valentines and Galantines until they were perfect. Um, and so I would do like, I'm autistic and a little fucking uh, ADHD to the fucking max. So I like, I hyper fucking focus on something for a while. And that was like my fucking focus. And so I would do dumb shit like that. Uh, I, so I don't know if that's an answer to your question. Um, French food. I love French food, Mexican food. I like for a while I was trying to do fusions with French and Mexican food, um, which I thought was a lot of fun. Um, uh, Italian food. Um, uh, the last few years I've been working at a Japanese immersion school and I had been, uh, making a bunch of Japanese food, um, which is fun. Uh, I could, but I honestly, man, I can make anything. Once you understand the principles of cooking and you understand like what you're doing, then it's like, it's almost like a formula. You're like, okay, you like, you know, the ingredients, you know what to do with it. Like uh, there, there's sometimes there's techniques that you need to know. And so just do some deep research into it, like to make proper, like Peking duck or something. There, There's like, there's, there's shit that you have to do or to make like perfect confit or like things like that. I can make you anything you want, whatever the fuck you want.
So what do you believe uh, should have, what do you believe are the strong characteristics of a good chef you should have? Well, you need to have your anger under control because you're going to get fucking stressed out. It's going to happen. Um, there's a lot of things that you just can't prepare for. Like, so you can, you can write your menu. You've got it down. You can have this shit prepped. Uh, and what's going to happen is <clears throat> people are going to come in, not give a shit about your vision or your dish or your idea. And they're going to tell you, I want like 10 different, like they're going to be like, well, I want the sauce on the side. I don't want the onions. I want this. I'm allergic to that. And like have all these like fucking things and you're going to want to tell them, go fuck yourself. Get out. This is my dish. It's mm -hmm. perfect. This goes with this. You need those fucking crispy onions or the caramelized onions because that sweetness counterbalances with this. And like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> then you're going to want to do that uh -huh. because they're like, because you spent all this time and, and you know what? In some restaurants, you go to that restaurant to eat that chef's food. There is no, there's, you can't change anything. Yeah. And you don't want to make it. Cause chefs probably what the chef's going to do. is He's going to pick up the plate and probably throw it at you. Yeah. Or it's just like, there's just no, there's no ex exceptions. It's like, I make my food like this. If you like it, good. I'm glad. Enjoy it. Like savor every bite. If you don't like it, there's the fucking door. Because, <laughs> like, those guys, they have reservations for years in advance. Like, where they're just like, oh, you don't want to come? All right, well, we'll call the waiting list of 50 fucking people that want to take that spot. Okay, get out. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good place to be in. So if you're not in that place, because 99.9% .9 of people aren't, have a good fucking handle on your anger. Understand... Be calm. Take some fucking deep breaths. Then you, for like characteristics of a good chef, you have to at least you have to care. So to me, there has to be some uh, like morality. You have to you have to be a moral person. You have to be there where like I want to make something delicious, nutritious. I'm putting like some good spiritual energy. That sounds weird, but like I'm making the fuck out of this dish. This food is phenomenal. And now I'm giving you something, you know, like to me, that is, that's something important. So, um, having like maybe a good spiritual center and some morality, you're not the type of person that's going to like fucking spit in somebody's food or get offended. And like, I don't care. You could be my worst enemy. I'm not going to spit in your food. I'm going to make the fuck out of your food. And you know what? You're going to come up to me and be like, that was amazing. You know, that's how you like, I'll fucking win somebody over with my food. They'll be like, holy shit. Um, you have to be able to control your stress levels. If you can't handle like you also have to be able to take a lot of input. Lessons. You, you have to, you're going to cut on your, yourself. Shut up. Shut the fuck. Keep going. Put your head down. Okay. How many tickets do we got? Holy shit. Yeah, the whole place is packed. All right. Fuck. Okay. Take a deep breath. Let's take a look at these. How many fucking filet mignons do we have? Because those are big, thick fuckers. They're going to take a long time to cook. 
all right, there's four of them on the board. Oh, shit. That one says, get that one on now. Okay. How much? How many fucking airline chicken breasts we have? That's a big old chicken titty with a with a bone in. That's gonna take like thir- like fifteen minutes. Get that fucker searing immediately. Okay, then we have you know you just have to fucking triage the situation, mm-hmm. handle it, focus, and you have to make the same product even in medium as if you were like two. So it, what was it like? It's work? not easy. Okay. And if you can handle that, stay the fuck in the kitchen. Like you, you won't want to do it anyways. If you can handle that, you're not gonna have a good time. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Amit. So what I was gonna say is, what was like, what was it like working in the culinary industry when you first started out, and now in the last few years? Because I know you're no longer a chef. So what was it like? Uh, when I first got in there, dude, it was the wild west still, which was nuts. Like we were in a small little town, like. Like people were having sex in the walk-in, people were having sex in the dry storage, people were having I had sex with a girl at the like after closing time, clearly, but I threw her over the bar and but anyways, we had sex. Uh, <laughs> like we just like people would just it was wild. People were heathens, people were drunk, people were popping pills, people were smoking joints, people were just like, doing acid, snorting coke. Uh it was like it was Babylon. It was bizarre. And at the time, when I was a young man, I thought it was the best thing in the world because I was just like a complete degenerate. Uh, and I was like, didn't really care about myself or my life. So I was just like, oh, let's go. Let's party. Let's go hard. Because um, I didn't I didn't figure I was going to make it to 30 anyways. So I was like, let's, yeah, let's, oh, you want, you have meth? <laughs> let's smoke some fucking meth and let's have sex all night. Like we would do dumb, dumb things, but that was kind of, okay. So that's what it was like when I first started and people were still making very inappropriate jokes in the kitchen. People were, uh, what something you might like making sexist jokes or just like asshole jokes. Um, we would do pranks on each other, which was fun. Um, like, well, one guy, we, we like snuck a bunch of fish in his car and like put it under his, like his back seat under the floor, like on the floor underneath the mat. And, or we just do awful things we, or we do. We anyways, we'd set shit up to where like you open the back door, a bunch of water would splash on your head or we, you know, just dumb shit. We just had fun. <clears throat> All of these things. I don't honestly know if they're still going on because people are so sensitive nowadays. Mm-hmm which I think is kind of sad. Uh, but the last 10 years, probably, yeah, probably the last 10 years of my career, um, I was in some form of management to the point where like, and, or I was in a corporate setting, uh, like working for big corporations as a manager where I couldn't participate in any of this anyways. Like, cause I couldn't afford to just be a cook anymore. The cooks are having fun. The cooks are, you know what I mean? The cooks and the waiter waitresses, they're going to go like, go and have sex and do all this crazy wild shit. And like, I, I have to be the babysitter, you know, <laughs> I was like, it sucks. <laughs> but, um, COVID didn't change anything for me. Uh, honestly, personally, I got lucky. I was working for a private facility, uh, that never closed. And, um, yeah, we stayed open the entire time. 
we were busy as hell actually because we had like a take home dinner program thing um and so like all the restaurants were closed dude we fucking were busy as hell we made a, a lot of money it was really nice but i had a lot of friends lose restaurants lose jobs lose their house um i have one friend that lost three restaurants oh wow and uh i have another friend that barely held on to one and is now kicking ass hasn't got a food truck and is opening up a new location now so there are still people that are kicking ass um but it's rarer and harder and honestly it was just time for me to get the fuck out if i'm not going to open a restaurant which would be retarded it would be very stupid of me to open a restaurant like my friend that is doing well right now he bought a restaurant that had been in the community for decades and decades and had a big name and people liked him. And so like, he's doing great. Like, and like, but if I, if you're going to start something new, there's so many regulations. There's so many things that it just like hold you back. And if, I don't know, man, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a something that like, if I didn't have to worry about money, I would open a restaurant. Cause I, I have a, my dream restaurant in my head. And, um, that's probably what I would do, but um, I have a, I have a mortgage to pay and wife and kids and yeah, it's a young man's game, dude. So now tell me about a time when you had to handle a difficult employee and how, what did you do with that situation? Well, I've had a lot of difficult employees in my time, dude. You find out being a chef, you think you're like making food. You're not. So once you're the chef, you're like, I mean, sometimes you are. It depends where you're at. But most of the time, like, once you get into the management position, you're the asshole that's sitting at a desk. You're the asshole that's sitting there doing inventory and ordering and food cost. And you're like, I haven't even touched food today. They're not even in the kitchen at all. Like, I'll have my sous chef do everything. Um, it, so, but also, you you kind of become a parent and all of the employees are your kids and they're all in dramas and they're all fighting with each other over stupid things. And then it's, it's more about managing people than it, it is about anything else. It's managing personalities. Uh, so it's, it's a pain in the ass, dude. Um, but also I, I like people. I'm very like personable. I like having conversations with people like, so I didn't mind it in sometimes, but oh, let's see. I I had a friend um, that was one of my first dishwashers. I fired my first dishwasher, uh, but this guy came and worked for me, and I like I liked him because he was a hard worker. He was fucking nuts, dude. He does he does tons of meth, like horrible fucking meth, like meth head. But he also does like downers, so he's sitting there like taking like Norcos. I don't know if you know what that is. Uh, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a stronger Vicodin. So he, okay. he's sitting there, he's taking those, and then he's also drinking booze. So he's like starting to like go down like this, and so then he starts drinking five hour energy drinks and like rock stars, and so he's like he's constantly like this, dude. It's fucking nuts, dude. So he's then he's like. He's like taking Norcos and, he's all, and then he'll smoke some meth and be like, 
You're like, what the fuck, man? But he's a great dishwasher. Mm-hmm. He would show up on time. He'd show up every single day. He'd show up, you know, dressed appropriately, whatever. Uh, and, and he would fucking work his ass off. But the guy is a gross pervert. <laughs> like he's like he's constantly making dick jokes and you know in the back of the house that's fairly acceptable you can sit there and make dick jokes and like and just have fun but he starts like staring at the waitresses and like creepily and then he'll say something creepy to them i'm like that's front of house you can't say things like that to front of house keep it in the back you can say all the creepy shit to us we'll tell you to fuck off or shut up and or just laugh with you but you can't say it to the waitresses you can't say it to the bartenders you can't say it to the fucking uh the hostesses or bussers or whatever you can't do that shit so he's great this guy i've i hired him at probably five different places and i fired him at five different places because like i would i'd bring him to this restaurant and then he would do something and then management would push me out of it Right. And I have to fire him. I'm sorry, dude. Then I'd go to another restaurant. I'd bring him along with me and be like, yeah, I got him. He's a great dishwasher. And then he would do something else stupid and I'd have to fire him. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, I got him a job at this really prestigious, nice fucking, nice fucking restaurant, dude. And so it was a combination of two things he did. He got caught drinking while he was working. And so, fuck. I was like, and, and like, they weren't going to fire him, but they were going to, like, like reprimand him and shit. And then it was something stupid that we had this girl that was cooking with us. And she was great. Love her. Um, but, you know, it, sometimes there's reasons why sometimes you don't want girls in the kitchen. Because sometimes they can be, like, you know, thin and sensitive about things. Like, so she was, like, walking and she was holding a pack of hamburger buns. And he was like, nice buns. And you know what I mean? And like, he was kind of joking, but he's also a creep. And so she like reported that he said that, like, and so then they're like, fire him now. I'm like, All right. <laughs> I had to go and fire the guy. That was the last time. That was the last Thank time you. I had to, I had to fire him. I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but it is. Yeah. So describe an instance where you had to prepare a meal under pressure. And what were the process from start to finish? Ah, that's a good question. I mean, I, if you listen to the show that I did with uh, Deplorable Janet, uh, it's pretty funny, dude. Like that time, that in that particular instance, that story that I told, I've actually had several people come to me. They're like, I'm a cook and you gave me flashbacks <laughs> like, or like I was a chef. You're like, you put me back in the situation. I was having PTSD about it. Like, it's pretty funny because I think a lot of people can relate to that story where it was like, I think it was a Friday and it was Friday morning and we had, we had like a busy book dinner and I was just like getting ready for, for lunch. Right. So I get there, butt crack of dawn. I'm sitting there prepping, getting us ready for lunch, getting us ready for dinner. And they fire my chef, Our, my executive chef. He walked in the door. I was like, Hey, what's up, man? And then the manager says, Hey, I need to talk to you for a minute. They go off and do something. And then, he texts me or calls me. He goes, dude, they just fucking fired me. Fuck that place. Fuck all this shit. I'm like, what? <laughs> and there's some new fucking dweeby goober walking in and he has his hair all spiked up. I like this guy, actually. He's a great guy. But like, I'm just like, who the fuck is this guy? Because he's like my age. 
He's like maybe like a couple years older than me. And like, I'm young at this point. Like I'm in my early twenties. So maybe this guy's like 28, you know? And he, and I'm like 22 and he has his like, his goofy fucking hair all spiked up and he's has a big baby face and he, and he's like tall and white and has a big white coat on. He's like, hi, I'm your new chef. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I could tell this guy was like not seasoned at all, like not seasoned at all. And, um, and it turns out I was right. He had worked for like a prestigious hotel company, but he was like the pool manager. That's all. So he had gone to culinary school and then he went back for uh, hotel restaurant management or whatever. That So you go to be like more front of the house, like maitre d' kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he had like uh, done his externship at this fancy spot. They hired him on and they made him a manager of the pool. And so he was watching over like the cooks that would make like sliders and shit and bring it to the people at the pool. And like he was in charge of the bartender that was making drinks to take him to the pool. And you know, I mean, that's kind of cool or whatever. But like that was his, that was the entire amount of experience that this guy had. That he had gone to culinary school. So this was enough in my little podunk town. This guy had gone to a nice culinary school and he had been, and he had worked as a manager at this prestigious, hotel chain that was enough that all right you're now the executive chef um and i'm sitting there i i don't know i probably had like six or seven years of cooking experience under my belt at the time and i'm like anyways this fucking dude this fucking dude great guy again like the guy and i talk to him every now and then but you know you suck dude (laughs) uh yeah, dude. No, I that was that was one of the worst experiences um, because I thought because Friday Friday lunches are light. Friday dinners are usually kind of heavy, but Friday lunches are light, dude. Nobody shows up. But here's the thing: I think the manager had told because this is like a private club is what I'm talking about, and so like there's like mem- like the only people that can come eat at this place are members. This is like a fancy spot. Like people pay thousand tons of fucking money so that they can come to this restaurant and spend a ton of money. Like I don't even get the benefit of it. Uh, honestly, I think it's just about like you bragging rights. I'm a, Oh, I'm a member. I'm a member club. Right. So I think that he fucking told like the board or something like I, I the board would have to know if he was going to hire a friend and some new show. Anyways, I think something that got out. And so every motherfucker at this club showed up. For Friday lunch, and it was the worst thing that on earth that could have possibly happened, because my sidekick, like the dude that also works with me as a cook, he's out of town, and so just fired the chef because it was like a three-person kitchen, dude. I don't know how we fucking kicked ass, but it was just a three-person fucking kitchen. That was my cold side guy. I was the hot side guy, and we had the chef, right, and. Now we are gone, the cold side guy, and now we're gone, the chef. And so it's just me, the hot side guy. I do like, I take care of all the steaks, the burgers, the fish, the this, the that, the pastas. And I usually have my appetizers, the salads, the the fucking desserts, the, you know, all of this kind of shit over here. And I don't have him. All I have is this fucking goob ass. So I try to put this goober on the cold side. I'm like, you can make a fucking sandwich, right? And he's like, yeah, 
I can make a sandwich, of course. So I'd kind of gone through the menu with him a little bit. I was like, this is how we do it. Avocado mayo, all of that bread needs to be toasted. You know, what, you know, all the shit. But every motherfucker comes in. And so now everyone sits down at once and on the board, there's like, I don't remember how many fucking club sandwiches, but there was so many goddamn club sandwiches. And this guy is freaking the fuck out because people want white bread. People want sourdough. People want wheat bread. People want rye bread. People want, you know, and he can't fucking do it. His head is like, and he's like, and he's trying to toast all the fucking bread. And I get it. You know what? Most people can't do that. Hmm. You shouldn't have accepted this job. You fucking idiot. <laughs> like I can't even, I can't even imagine the headspace he was in. Like, yeah, I'm an executive chef now at this fucking really nice, expensive. People are paying a lot of money for this fucking food. And this goober knows that he has no experience and has no right to be there or to be called a chef. And he's sitting there on the executive chef. Now he, started like fucking up the sandwiches so bad that I had to go to the cold side and start making sandwiches. And so I asked him to like, I'm trying to put this into perspective for your audience. Everyone sat down at once. You're going to get PTSD listening to the sound of these tickets. So you have this little POS system that goes beep, 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 rings in your fucking tickets. It just starts doing it nonstop and it's not stopping. And all of a sudden, we just the whole fucking board that you have this thing where you put your tickets in is completely fucking full. And now I'm like, fuck. So there's probably like 10 catch of the days that I have to do. So that's like whatever the fresh fucking nice fish is. Then there's probably like 12 fucking burgers. Then there's probably like like six New York steaks. Then there's probably like four filet mignons on the on the board. Then there's like this chicken. And then there's this, 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 this. Like, and I'm sitting there like, oh my fucking God. Uh, there's French onion soups to fire. So I have like this big broiler to throw those under. And then on my on my right side, on the cold side. There's like 18 fucking like Cobb salads. There's like four Caesar salads. There's like, dude, there's like Louie, like shrimp Louis, crab Louis. Like, and each one of these is different. And like this person wants like crab on their Caesar. This person doesn't want anchovies. This, you know what I mean? There's like little dumb shit on every single fucking order. And they're all mixed together. And they all have to fire simultaneously. And we all have to get it out. And it has to be fucking perfect. And all I have is this fucking goober. And his white fucking coat, and he fucking sucks with his piped up hair. <laughs> Jesus fuck. And crab cakes, the fucking crab cakes. People were ordering crab cakes, and I was like running out of crab cakes. I had like sixteen orders, and it was a Friday lunch. That should have been more than a fuck enough. And now we had like twenty orders of crab cakes. So I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there like trying to make goddamn crab cakes on the fly while this guy's fucking up the sandwiches. And I, dude, Jesus fucking Christ, dude. <laughs> You were doing that. You pre, you were pretty much just an executive chef at that point. You were doing everything for him. You and have yourself. no fucking idea. No, I was the executive chef for months because he couldn't do his job for months. I did all the ordering, all the fucking inventory. I fired the majority of the food, and then he would come out there with his white fucking coat and his little hat, and like everybody, the food was so good. You rocked it, and he was like, "I know I did." Yeah, <laughs> I was like. Fuck you, dude. He was always out there just like, yeah. Oh, they loved it, by the way. They loved the food you made. But he was not telling him that 
I made the food. <laughs> so after 16 years becoming a chef, why did you decide to quit? Um, there's no, there's no retirement, man, for like, so if I wanted to, I could work in the city. I live near Portland. I could be working at like a prestigious, pretty nice restaurant um, as an executive chef and, and probably making some pretty fucking decent money. Um, but I'm going to basically live at that restaurant and I'm going to be there till two in the fucking morning. Um, I have a family. I don't want to do that. I don't want to put in those hours. Like there's a reason why people are fucking alcoholics and drug addicts. People are like, just to stay awake, they're doing lines of Coke. You know what I mean? And then just to go to bed, they're drinking a half a bottle of fucking whiskey. Um, it's, and then like, there's like, waitresses that want to fuck you and like all kinds of like crazy shit like people end up like ruining their lives and fucking destroying their families and shit and like it's it's not a good environment dude like i mean it is and isn't but it, it is when you're a young dummy that has no responsibilities or cares and then it is not a good environment when you're like a family man and you want to take care of your family. And it's like, I don't want to be at this restaurant till two in the morning, schmoozing rich dummies and talking about a moose bouche. And we're sitting there and like, Oh, this wine. And we're sitting there like describing the, the bouquet. And like, I don't, I don't want to fucking do that. Like, I don't want to fucking do that. Like, and I, and I've done it and I don't want to do it. Um, I wanted to have a fucking normal life and a normal job. So I, took an opportunity to get out of the food service industry. And I'm glad that I did. Mm -hmm. So now do you believe in ghosts? Why or why not? So I'm a skeptic about everything, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, yes and no. So I'm going to give you a cop out answer. Uh, yes. in the fact that um, we're all spiritual beings, right? I think we're all like, we're in a fucking meat avatar. We're in a meat suit. We are a spiritual being that's trapped here for a time being. I think when you die, you go back to source. Is it possible that there's some people that want to stick around for whatever reason, or they're upset or they're angry, they're trapped or they, you know, they, anyways, possibly, possibly I believe in ghosts. Um, I, tend to believe that there's something else going on like with this phenomenon like there's some really interesting like um there's some really interesting stuff that talks about like because time isn't linear like we in our head we can we see it as linear but like even when we're like going through our memories it all, all kind of jumbles up and so like there's there's these um like uh we had brandon thomas on uh we haven't released that episode out yet um but to come on and talk to us about ghosts and things and and he was recalling the story, uh, I think, that was on Mysterious Universe. I love Mysterious Universe. If you've never listened to that show, you really fucking should. They're the fucking shit. They're one of my favorites. But, like, okay, so there's all of these, like, fucking stories where... Uh, I, and I can't remember the exact details, so I'm going to give you, like, a for instance, where there's this little boy, and he's standing in the kitchen, and he walks in, and he sees this bigger, like fuzzier shape, uh, but it's clearly a humanoid and it's like staring at him and he freaks the fuck out and runs out of the room. Right. And he's like, holy shit. And then that little boy, he grows up and he's still living in that house and he comes into the kitchen 
and he sees a little fuzzy character that's looking at him with his eyes and it looks at him and freaks out and runs away. And he's like, holy fuck, that was me. And I saw me. I saw me or like, like when I, you know, from the fucking future. And then I just saw me as a child seeing me, you know, and there's so many fucking stories like that where I don't know what the fuck is going on, dude. There's weird mm. paranormal, high strangeness, weird, interesting things. I also think that a lot of this is like demonic, maybe, but what the fuck is a demon anyways? So like, uh, is a demon the same thing that we're talking about when we are talking about like the Anunnaki, when we are talking about something like angels, when we're talking about something like ghosts or fairies, like I get so woo-woo that I think that like, uh, Bigfoot is interdimensional. And sometimes when we see Bigfoot, we're actually seeing this apparatus, like, um, shout out to Chaz, Chaz of the dead. He came on the show. Um, I think we're, we better fucking include this story in, in one of the documentaries we're putting out right now, where he's talking about Bigfoot being actually being a poltergeist, where like people smell him, right? You smell because smell is associated with ghosts, mm -hmm. right? You'll get the smell, and then but also that's associated with the skunk ape. So you're smelling something, and then when you're communicating with with ghosts and things, they will like knock on wood they'll start like that's when you first start to get these like what was that so you hear like knocking on your on the walls and shit and then you start knocking back and then you are like giving this energy and you're kind of like creating this like uh communication with whatever this entity is and then you kind of give it power to kind of create what like turns into a poltergeist so basically don't interact with weird things unless you're prepared for it but one of the things that like Bigfoot hunters do when they're trying to like first talk to a Bigfoot, it's called wood knocking where you take a big stick and you start hitting a tree and you listen and you wait. And all of a sudden you hear like way off in the distance, somebody, something's knocking back. Like that's, that's what uh, a lot of people talk about with like how Bigfoot like communicates and talks. Well, there's all these like little things that like add up where like, I think Bigfoot might be a poltergeist. He might be a goddamn ghost. He might be an interdimensional shape-shifting lizard person. I, I don't know, dude. Uh, so do I believe in ghosts? I believe in something. Mm -hmm. I don't so, know what that is. Uh-huh. So now what is this YouTube channel called Anomaly Hunters about? Because I know you posted something about it, I think, today or yesterday. Yeah, so Anomaly Hunters is our is our group of uh, anomaly hunters. That's so like it was me and my buddy Ben Ingram Tejada, Ben Tejada Ingram rather. Um, he has uh, he wrote a book, a fantastic book. He's been a um, a kind of like a cryptid hunter for a long time. He's been like uh, like a weirdo like me, uh, paranormal investigator for a long time. Um, and he uh, approached me at one point and was like, "Hey, I I want to come on your show and talk to you about this and that." And I was like. Sure, come on. So we we sat there, and in the course of that conversation, I was like, "Oh, you live like an hour away from me, you know." So we just we got together and we we hit it off. We became buddies, and then we're we're both nerds, and we like cryptids and stuff. So it, we just started with like uh, with a Bigfoot hunt. We we're like, we're gonna go and find Bigfoot. So that was our first like uh, documentary that we made. It was a was called Sur Search for Psychic Sasquatch. And um, our second documentary just dropped, um, I think, like two weeks ago. And our the part two 
or so, like maybe our third documentary, whatever you want to call it, uh, or the part two of our second documentary dropped today at noon. So, um, yeah, so Anomaly Hunters is our group. So it's me and my buddy Ben, and uh, we have different people that join us. My son and and his buddy Bonnie, so Julian and Bonnie, are part of the team. There that We're like the original four that went Bigfoot hunting together. But now i got my buddy Paul. My buddy Paul's coming with us. Oh, dude, we, we have people that, like, there's a dude that lives in, like, New Jersey, and he was like, I'll fucking pay for my own flight. I'll fly out there. Like, dude, I just want to be part of it. Like, maybe (laughs) there's it's been really cool people have been like reaching out like um talking to us telling us fucking wild stories uh there was a lady that like her house is fucking like she thinks it's demon possessed and she wants us to go in there and exercise it or like communicate with like we might become full-on ghostbusters i don't know (laughs) like there's all kinds of weird like it's been it's been a thing dude weird opportunities have been thrown at us um Honestly, I'm kind of a skeptic with a lot of this stuff, but like I'm going in trying to be open minded and I'm just exploring and seeing what we find. So um, I have no fucking idea, man. Uh, Anomaly Hunters is our is our cool little group. That's our side project that we're working on. And that's like solely about cryptids and about ghosts and about aliens and about like UFOs and, and odd high strangeness. It has nothing to do with politics or like conspiracy theories or anything like that. It's just, that's just straight that, which is fun. But so if you no, want the good stuff, so now if you could choose four favorite movies in any genre, what would that be and why? Favorite movies? Okay, let me see. One of them's got to be Grandma's Boy. I fucking love Grandma's Boy. Uh, have you seen that? I have. It's not. one of my favorites, dude. It's so fucking funny. Have you? You haven't seen that movie, dude? Go rent it immediately. I like. It's fucking fantastic. Um. Okay, so Grandma's Boy. It's it's fucking just. It's hilarious. I don't know how to explain it other than it's just like. Uh, it's like about friendship. It's about like. Uh, it's about like i don't know degeneracy and goofiness and like it's about this fucking dude that like still lives with this fucking grandma um and he's like 30 fucking five and it's it's really goofy it's it's campy but it's hilarious so grandma's boy has got to be one of my one of my picks um i used to love joe dirt i show dirt is one of my favorite movies i don't know if that's the case here uh, let me actually but good movies that i like I, I my mom me watched silence the lambs too many times when i was a kid I, I can put that up there that's a good movie um my favorite movies i don't watch a lot of films anymore uh i gotta come up with one more uh i'll i'll keep thinking about it Okay, so I'll give you the next question. If you could choose four favorite shows in any genre, what would that be and why? That's easier for me. Um, and it's all sci-fi. All sci-fi, my favorite shows. So Star Trek, I love every single like every single adapt adaption of Star Trek up until the new shit. I have not seen any of the new shit. Um Enterprise, I think, was the last one that I watched. Um with Scott Bakula, 
And I even like that a lot of people don't because they, they kind of fucked with some shit. They kind of rewrote some history. They kind of like they they brought the Borg in like like before they should have. And they kind of they fucked with some timelines. I thought it was a great series. I thought it was pretty goddamn good, actually. And uh, but probably Deep Space Nine is my favorite of um, or the original. Uh, so Star Trek, I'm just saying that's all one or else I'd have to pick. Um, different series of Star Trek to give you a fucking yeah. okay. So uh, next favorite, um, and this is it's hard to say this is a favorite because it was only one season. But I fucking love Firefly, man. Have you ever seen Firefly? I've heard of that show, and I a lot of people have said that show is really good. I've never watched it. You're gonna like it too much, and then it's gonna be over, and you're gonna be fucking angry. That's what happens. It's like you get introduced at like, so I love it because it's like, it's like space pirates, capitalism. Um, they're just wild. Like they're, they're like, fuck it's agorism. It's space agorism is what it is. These, they're just fucking wild guys that are like, like selling, buying, trading, like going on adventures, killing people. Like, uh, like they're the rebels, like fighting the government. They're like, ex, they're like government extremists right and they're like it's just fucking great dude and it's a solid crew it's fucking funny it's fucking entertaining and you like get really caught up in it and it's getting really good and then they cancel it and i'm like god damn it so that has to be one of my favorites uh then i was gonna say uh stargate sg1 i also fucking love stargate sg1 a lot um also just a fucking fantastic show but you know what? I'm I'm gonna throw a curveball. I was gonna say it's all sci-fi, but one of my fucking all-time favorite shows too was no. Okay, okay. Now I have to add a couple. I'm sorry. So, Monk. If you've ever watched Monk, is one of my fucking favorite shows, dude. It's just so goddamn funny. Monk is like a police detective, but he can't even really be on the police force because he's too fucking weird. I don't know if you ever have you ever watched this show at all. No. So he was a dude. His wife was murdered. He lost his fucking mind. And now he has like mental problems and he is like crazy OCDs and he's, and he's out of his fucking mind, but he's a goddamn genius and he can like solve fucking cases. And it's very formulaic and it's very silly, but it's fucking funny and it's fantastic. And it's one of my fucking all time favorite shows. Monk is, uh, but I also have to throw in arrested development, arrested development. It was great. The new season's, I don't know. I tried to watch them. They weren't the same. And I mean, they're still funny, but like it wasn't, the, it wasn't the original show. So I have to put Arrested Development in there too. So now who would, who would you choose if you could have coffee or dinner with any four historical figures? And what would you guys want to talk to them about? Four historical figures alive or dead? Yeah. Okay. Um, I maybe would want to talk to, that's a, that's a hard question. I, I, cause I don't even know if Napoleon Bonaparte ever existed. Um, I had these, I've had like war fantasies and like dreams in my, in my head as a kid, um, of like Genghis Khan and Napoleon Bonaparte and all these horrible fucking, like, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to fucking go that far back. I, I would like to talk to Jesus. I'd love to talk to Jesus. Um, and what I talk about is just like, I want to know, like, I want to hear his philosophy out of his mouth. 
So obviously I'm going to need like some universal translator or something so I can know exactly what he's saying. Um, I think I love Jesus a lot. I consider myself a Christ follower. Um, I think he was a fantastic guy. Uh, I think he was a great teacher. And uh, to me, he's my savior. Um, I know that sounds woo-woo to some people too, or I might be an idiot or whatever. I don't care. Uh, I love Jesus Christ and I think he saved me. So um, I would like to talk to Jesus. Uh, if I could, that would be one. Uh, number two, I would like to talk to Samuel Conkin III. Um, he was the he was the intellectual father of agorism, and he was like, "Dude, you should pull him up. You should take a look at him. He's uh, he looks like he's stinky. He probably is a little bit stinky. Um, he he's hideously ugly." He's fat and has big glasses. It was the 70s, so he had like long black hair and big thick rim glasses. And he was really fat and had a creepy mustache. And he looked like, I don't know, like a biker reject. But he was fucking, he was a genius, dude. He was fucking brilliant. And he saw libertarianism and he saw it like drifting into like right wing territory and kind of nationalism and kind of he saw it like drifting into like different things. And also with libertarianism, there's a lot of uh, theory, but none of it put into practice or not really spelled out like how to put it into practice. So he he put praxis and he put um he basically made a called the new libertarian manifesto and it's left libertarianism where he adds in. And so some people call him a filthy commie or something. He's not uh, because there's a class system and that's what makes him like a left libertarian. He, he creates a class system. And, and I think that that's necessary because I, I think that there is class system going on and, but it's really simple. It's you normal people and the government and their cronies there's only that's that's it in the class system so there's normal people that are producers and workers and creators and then there's parasites right and so it's a very simple class system and i agree with it the people that are making money off of your money the people that are like making money off controlling you like all of these people they their paycheck is involved in the theft of your paycheck. They don't they don't actually create anything. They don't do anything. They they take your money and do things with it and pay themselves. Those are parasites. So I would love to talk to him, like have a one on one conversation, kind of fill him in, be like, yo, this is what's happened in 2023. Do you have any thoughts, ideas? What like what's your take on all this? Um, because like he was a man of his times and like, I, I think he wrote those books like in late seventies or early eighties. Like I want to see what the fuck he has to say about that shit now. Cause, um, yeah, I don't know. That would be a fascinating conversation. Uh, another historical figure dead or alive. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Um, I don't, I have a lot of weird, dumb conspiracy theories in my head. Like, I don't think Albert Einstein was that brilliant. I think he was kind of a piece of shit. So I wouldn't want to talk to him. Uh, maybe I'd fight him. Um, uh, you know, Martin Luther King or Gandhi would be kind of cool. I heard Gandhi was kind of a creep and like 
like little girls. Maybe I don't know if that's true. And like, I never heard like, that one before. Okay, so this is the, this is the story that I've heard. And I'm not 100 percent sure. Like, so I'm not necessarily calling Gandhi a kitty fiddler, but maybe he was a kitty fiddler. Um, where he he liked little girls, and he would like try to. He was attracted to them, so he was a he was a no map, right? So a non-offending minor attracted person mm-hmm. where he would um have them well so to me this is not a nomad actually because i think this is offending he would have a little girl lay in bed with him naked and he would try not to touch her <laughs> he was like trying to be like it's like a fat guy like looking at a plate of nachos and being like Mm, I want to fucking eat those nachos so bad. Look at that guacamole and sour cream. Oh god damn that cheese sauce. Then like he's but he's looking at a little girl and he's like, I'm not gonna fuck you, but I want to. Like that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. So I mean, look that shit up because like I think it was like people that was surrounding him like wrote about it and they're like, Yeah, I he's fucking kind of weird. He's doing that. Like, I don't know. So fuck Gandhi. Um, he's a cunt. Um Let's see here. I, I, you know what? I, uh, this sounds fucked up, and I'm gonna get in trouble because I'd rather have a conversation with Hitler because I think we'd have an interesting what? conversation. If you ask, me, if you ask, I'd rather talk to Hitler than Gandhi. If you asked me that question, I would have said the exact same thing. Yeah. I want to know what was going on in his brain during that time, and what was yeah. actually truly going on behind the scenes of his whole uh, time as the leader of the party. How much did he know? I'm curious mm-hmm. about how much was he actually planning? Uh, there's a lot of things, dude, because I think that he's been demonized in a lot of ways. Obviously, he's a bad guy. It doesn't have to be fucking said. Hitler. I'm not fucking defending Hitler, but I'm like, I'm actually curious. I want to have that conversation and kind of see what the fuck was going on. That would be interesting. I would like to have that conversation. Um, but also, maybe a, a Stalin might even be a fucking he was such an evil piece of shit um that might be an interesting conversation too maybe i'd fucking talk to joseph stalin as well so now what genre of music do you uh, do you enjoy listening to i'm stuck in the 90s man um i listen to like like 90s to like uh mid to late like 2000s what is late 2000s anyways like 2009 i don't know i listen to a lot of fucking like pop punk or fucking um or like hardcore or that type of genre kind of that punk kind of ish music. Um, my favorite band, uh, where's my fucking tattoo? Do you see it here? Oh, that's the wrong tattoo. I've got a Weezer tattoo that I got when I was drunk in 17. Uh, I got drunk with the, with this tattoo artist in a bar and we were sitting there getting drunk and, and I told him I wanted a Weezer tattoo. And so he was like, okay. And so like, we went over right next door to the shop and he fucking gave me a Weezer tattoo. So what some of the uh, what what are some favorite artists or bands you enjoy listening to from that genre? Um, one of my favorites, um, and th- they've been canceled now, so like you're not supposed to like them because I think maybe the fucking lead singer was like talking to sixteen year olds. Or I don't know what he was doing, or maybe I don't. I honestly don't know. Cause I didn't pay, pay attention, but it was a sh- it's a band called brand new. And, um, they're one of my favorites, dude. They make some fucking solid albums. Uh, they started out as like a Christian band. And then like one of, one of their albums is called God, the De- 
uh, God and the devil are raging inside me. And it's about him like questioning his religion. That's what the whole album is about. Like, and then uh, Dejan Tendu was, was this other album. And to me, like, if you listen to this fucking album, you have to be in the mindset of like an early, like late teens to early 20 year old dude. That's kind of like a fucking narcissistic sociopath where he's just like, he literally is talking about like trying to convince girls to have sex with him. He's talking about like going to the bar and getting shit hammered and trying to take girls home. And it's, it's a really fucked up album, dude. But like, I could, I could see myself in it because like, I, I was such a fucking dirtbag. I was always trying to get pussy. I was always chasing girls. And, um, that's a fucking fantastic album, dude. Um, it's really dark and fucked up, but they, those, both of those albums are fucking fantastic. Um, and then let's see here. Another, I mean, I love Weezer. The blue album is perfect. Like you can listen to it from getting to the end. I, I, that's, this is like eighth grade. Um, when that album was like, at least when I was like introduced to it and I spent a summer that was like, that album was like my summer album. And I went with a friend and his, he had money and we went to like this camp at this lake and they had a houseboat and shit and like, or like in a, a cabin or all kinds of shit. So like we fucking spent a summer like jumping off of this boat and like swimming over to like houseboats. that didn't have anybody on there and like raiding their beer and stuff and like <laughs> just doing, just doing all kinds of atrocious, terrible things. And, um, smoking pot and getting drunk and just being dummies and listening to that album to, to the to weezer and so it always that connotation in my head as being a young dumb like free wild dumb and uh it has a special i don't know did I, was i supposed to pick out more or is that a second that's good so do you like to read and okay. if so what are your favorite genres of books to read or authors you enjoy reading books from um currently dude i have a really hard time finding time to read and so like mm. honestly when like authors come up to me and want want to come on the show and they want me to read their book first i typically now have to warn them like i'm not gonna read your book you can come on and promote your book and we can talk about your book but i guarantee you i'm not gonna read dude david i sent me his book and i still ha i've only read like a third of it I, it's not going to happen because I just don't have fucking time. I love books. I was obsessed with books. And if I find it on an audio version, I'll sit there. I work too much. So I'll pop in a fucking earbud and I'll listen. I'll listen to a book. If you have an audio version of it, I'll listen to your book. But um, I, my favorite authors that I loved, <clears throat> one was, um, well, this is just a fantastic book. Anyone that has like a young teenage boy, like 12 to 12 to 15, right? That, that age range, uh, give them Ender's game. Um, that is one of my fucking Orson Scott card is the, is the writer. Um, Ender's game is, is just a fucking fantastic book, dude. It, it's, it takes this young kid who it's a dystopian future. It's, it's one of those books where like you can actually read a lot into it. You're like, Holy shit. It's sci-fi. It's considered, it got the Nebula award. It's considered one of the best sci-fi is ever written that. And like, um, what's that one with the uh, Dune? Those are like in the top two running for like the best sci-fi novel of all time. Um, 
And so you're in this dystopian future. Aliens have attacked us. And so now the government has had to get together and create a single world government. Right. And so like there's lots of fucking like uh, shit in here that you can actually read and be like, holy fuck, like they've been planning this forever. Right. And that's how they do it. Like the alien invasion. Right. So um, and so but they're looking for they've decided that children have an open mind and they and they haven't been corrupted yet and so like children have the best strategical minds for warfare and so like they they take this kid and they're like i don't want to ruin the book it's fucking fantastic it's about like space and child soldiers and and like it's fan fucking it's one of my favorite books i can still like if i'm gonna read a book i'll read that book um another fucking fantastic series is called the wheel of time series um I'm going to fucking forget the author's name right now. The Wheel of Time series. What was his name? Oh, man. He's he's the best. Anyways, that and he's dead now, which is really sad. Uh, Brandon Sanderson finished his book, and then he made a bunch of fantastic books. Look into Brandon Sanderson. Look into uh, – what is his universe called? Anyways, Brandon Sanderson's great. Uh, then I've read probably like 50 fucking Stephen King novels and got really into the Dark Tower series and read every single one of those fucking books. Um, and I, I, you know, he, he's kind of a faggot now. And so I have a hard time. Like Stephen King is really just such a bitch, dude. Yeah, he is. And once he cleaned up and he's not on drugs anymore, his like writing has kind of gone to shit. And he also doesn't know how to end a story. He writes these fucking awesome concepts and it gets you hooked. And then it's like, and then this happened. And then the book's over. And like, Man, what the fuck? He needed somebody else to work with him, dude. Cause he could not, he cannot end a story to save his life. Um, and then, uh, who's another one? Um, there's another series that I was, oh, Chuck Palahniuk, dude. Chuck Palahniuk is fucking like dark and fucked up. He, he's the one that wrote the book, the story, uh, uh, that they turned into a movie fight club. If you've ever heard of seeing that. And he's just this weird gay guy that is like brilliant and like, seems like he's like a tormented demon possessed psycho. (laughs) Like, um, and he's actually from Portland. I would love to fucking meet Chuck Palahniuk and have a conversation with him. He's fucking brilliant, dude. He seems like a fucking interesting guy. Um, and his books are dark, man. They're fucking dark. And they're so fucking good. And they include, like, incest and awful, like, awful, terrible shit that's happening. And people, like, anyways, looking at Chuck Palahniuk, um, Fight Club is a good it's it's a good one and maybe that'll get you hooked and you're like oh okay uh but look at his other books like choke was is an interesting one survivor uh pygmy i uh, like uh invisible monster or whatever the fuck that book was like his books are just great dude they're dark they're fucked up they're twisted uh but read them they're interesting mm-hmm. so what hobbies do you enjoy doing when you're not podcasting or working fuck <laughs> I have no idea, dude. I make memes, uh, but I, I do that professionally. Like people, like, well, uh, people pay me to run their fucking social media accounts sometimes and make them memes and things. Um, so I've been doing that for years. So I, I call myself a professional propagandist, you know? So now tell me, are you going to say something? I don't know. I, I don't know what, uh, hanging out with my kids, some dumb answer like that. Like, you know, that's, I'm a dad, so that's where my my time goes. Mm-hmm. So now tell me about the three most influential people in your life and how they affected you positively or negatively. 
that's a hard question. Uh, so one I would say was my pastor growing up. Um, his his name was Scott. He's a great guy. He's dead now. He died, of, I think, of pain pancreatic cancer or stomach cancer something awful um but just growing up he was more like a dad to me because my dad was a piece of shit he was a heroin addict he was in and out of prison like i didn't see him very many i didn't see him much at all like every once in a while oh you get to see dad or dad's on the phone kind of thing you know what i mean like uh so this guy was great um and like during shitty times in my life he was there like uh one time I would have gone to prison. He made some phone calls and I didn't go to prison because <laughs> he knew that he knew the sheriff and stuff. And he got me a nice big slap on the wrist and a wake up call. And, or like when I was in high school and I got blood alcohol poisoning three times, uh, he would show up at the hospital and I'll <laughs> get my stomach pumped and stuff. Uh, or like he was there for like birthdays or he was there for like, if we needed something, Scott was there like to me that was that's what a pastor is he's like if you have a good pastor he's like he's the linchpin in the community that kind of ties everything together like when somebody needs something he's fucking there if you need a place to stay there's a fucking couch you can always stay there you know there's there's he was one of these fantastic wonderful good people that I would say was a good example of Christ and made a good example for me about how to be a hardworking man. Cause he, he was also like, he was a cement finisher and he was very, like very good at his craft. He was considered the best in the community. Like he was a fucking hard worker. He was just an upstanding, good human and a good example of a man. So I would say that was one of them. Um, the other one is who my son's godfather is. He's this wild old fuck. His name is Warner. And I love him, dude. And he's he's about my height, which isn't tall. We're like five nine, and uh, and but he's broad as fuck. And he used to be big and fat, and he's not as fat anymore. And he has big fucking gray beard, and he's this old fucking man. And he's looked like he was seventy for years. Like I think he's actually in his seventies now, but he looks seventy like when I was a kid. And because he's big gray beard and the hardest worker you've ever fucking seen 70 years old right now, he could break your hand with his handshake. Like he's been working his entire fucking life. He's uh, he was the fence builder that I got my, my first job with. Mm -hmm. And he took me under his wing and he fucking, he taught me hard work. He taught me work ethic. He, um, dude, he did everything for me. He, that was like my dad. Warner was like my dad. And so when my first son was born, I made him my, my son's godfather because I was like, this is a, you know, and so he's still, uh, he's still an old dude. He still lives back in California, but he drives up here to visit. And like he comes here. He's still sharp as a tack. We'll play fucking card games and I'll make him dinner and we'll hang out. Like, I love that guy. Uh, he's triple jabbed and boosted and thinks the vaccine's great. He also thinks that Jesus told him to vote for Donald Trump. So, you know, you know, take what you, you know, take it, whatever. I love him. He's a great human being. So that's number two. Number three. Um, man, number three. I, it's, it's hard to say this, to say that maybe um, his name is Dan and he was a chef. Um, he was so at that fancy spot, right? When they canned the chef before that, who was also like a mentor to me. And I love that guy and respect the fuck out of him. His name is Alex. 
so they, they fired him and then they had Goobass in there for a while. And then eventually like the manager didn't want to like cop to like, Oh, I made a gigantic fucking mistake by hiring this guy as the executive chef because he's clearly incompetent. They moved him and made him like the maitre d', like he's the front of the house manager, and now he's in charge over here. And they and he was hoping that he couldn't damage anything, but he was fucking shit up there too. And so eventually he stepped down to pursue other things. I think they were like, "Look, dude, <laughs> get the fuck out of here." Um, but okay, the chef that they actually hired, they actually hired, and his name was Dan. And Dan fucking took me under his wing and really showed me like this like i I was small time cooking right uh but dan had worked in like nice places in like new york and san francisco and la you know all these places and he fucking took me under his wing and he fucking put in the time the energy and the dedication and showed me some shit and like made me his little fucking his buddy dude and like it was it was beneficial i learned almost everything from this guy he was just fucking fantastic fantastic chef also a great dude also crazy drunk and me and him would just get shit hammered probably not the best example in that way but he's a fucking great dude so what is something people see to misunderstand about you uh (laughs) i don't know dude honestly i i am who i am on here right now who you're talking to i don't change um like I'm the same person that you like if you the only time that I might clean it up is when I'm at church, right? So I'm not like dropping f bombs and calling people trannies and faggots or something. because like, that's disrespectful to God. Like um I, funny enough, man, like I'll like the pastor will have me preach sometimes. So I'll I'll go up there during church and I'll fucking and I'll preach um which is weird. Why do people misunderstand about me? Um I have no idea. I don't even know what people think about me. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I I probably just think I'm a loudmouth, kind of slow-witted asshole. <laughs> so what's the important lessons you've learned in your life so far? Um, show up with a good attitude. Whatever you're doing. Like, I, I don't care what, what it is. Um, it, show up with a good attitude roll with the fucking punches because you're never going to be able to anticipate what the fuck's going to happen. Like you can't get prepared for it because something is going to happen. Something's going to fuck up and you, you have to be flexible. Don't have an idea so stuck in your head that this is going to be how it is. You, you have to be able to roll with it, dude. If you can, I know it's fucking hard for some people. I'm talking to like some people that I know and love. They are just incapable of that. But so going with a positive attitude, um, I call it positive affirmations. I Some people might call it fake until you make it. Some people might call it, uh, what what's the other word? Uh, or like a manifestation or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe that like you can put your attitude and your attention and your focus in a certain direction and you can change the course of your life. And so stay fucking positive. Shoot for a ridiculous, retarded uh, version of what you want to be. Like, out of, out of your mind. Delusional. Retarded. Like, there's no fucking way you're going to be that. Go for it. 
because if you try really goddamn hard, maybe you're going to get down here, but that's a hell of a lot better than down here. So shoot for as fucking high as you can. Like, you know, like, like I've had many opportunities to talk to like famous people that did shouldn't respond to me or talk to me or whatever. Like our, our show are, we're starting to get a kind of a big following, which is nice, but like, we're not a big show and we constantly are talking it because, you know, I, I, I'm not limiting what the show its potential. We could be a huge show maybe, or maybe we'll stay that. And you know what? We're having fun anyway. So it doesn't matter, but don't limit yourself. Like don't put on like, I could go this far, but not, any further why if you fucking say it then then yes you're right you're fucking limited you're not going to go anywhere idiot Mm -hmm. so how did you and your wife meet each other um at a church man um we met at church um i met her her and i was like man she's fucking beautiful she seems really cool she's probably too cool to talk to me so like I just like, was like a dork and would just like say hi and then like or not anything at all and and would just like kind of be creepy and like look at her from far away and then one day I was like fuck it so like I just started like having a conversation with her and so we just we sat there and we had a great conversation and and we had you know this little break time at church where you get like 10 15 minutes like go grab coffee go to the bathroom whatever hang out and so I proceeded to take her 10 or 15 minutes every single week for fucking months. And a little that I know she liked me and she was waiting for me to ask her out. And I was just too much of a pussy. <laughs> I just like, and so she was like, she thought I was like friend zoning her. And she was like, I really like this guy. He's giving me mixed signals here. I thought he was going to ask me out like a month ago and he hasn't. So anyways, one day I, I talked to the pastor and I was like, I really like her. And, and this was a weird time. Uh, this was like, man, was this like 2017, 2018? There was, a, there was like, I was a young single dude. I was like 29, 28, 29, something like that. And uh, so like there was lots of girls in the church that were kind of after me and lots of girls in my surrounding, you know, because that's around the age where girls are like, well, I'm. I'm single and like, I want to get married. So like, anyways, lots of girls were after me, but I only wanted her. And so my pastor, because at the time my pastor was taking me aside and be like, Hey, you know, this girl likes you, you know, this girl, she likes you too. And he was kind of doing matchmaker, match matchmaker. And I was like, uh, uh-uh, I like this one. And he's like, all right. And so he gave me his blessings. He said, I should go and like pursue her. So I did. And I, and I asked her on a date, but I was such a bitch. I asked her on a group date. I was like, hey, yeah, well, we could all, like, go rock climbing, like, you know, and then she was, like, extra, she was like, does he like me? Is this just a friendly thing? Is he trying to ask me out on a date? Because I was such a bitch that I fucking, anyways, uh, she couldn't even go to the to that date thing, so I went and hung out with my friends, because there was this really cool indoor rock climbing gym. But the whole time I'm texting her, talking to her, she had to work. And so I, I got the nuts up. I was like, hey, uh, let's let's go out. And so um, I want to take you to this place. So I took her on a nice date. We went to these really beautiful – if people know Portland, there's these uh, – it's the Chinese gardens inside of Portland. And it, 
dude, they're fucking beautiful. So I took her there. And then I just so happened that I picked her favorite restaurant. And so I, then I took her to her favorite restaurant. We sat there, had a meal, had a great time. And I asked her to be my girlfriend immediately. And, <laughs> and she was like, no. And she's like, you, we have to wait till like the third date to ask me that. Like, I'm not going to be. And, and so then like we went and had a second date and I asked her again. And, and then she was like, fine, I'll be your girlfriend. And like, um, it, the rest is history, dude. Like, I was just like, I pursued her as like, we are getting married. Uh, you and I, that's happening. Mm -hmm. I love you. And, um, and it, it was just great, man. And like, I, I remember halfway in the middle of us dating, um, cause we only dated for nine months before we got married. Um, but about maybe a third into the way we had to have the politics conversation because at this point I was like a raging, uh, anarchist and like, and this is like during like political wokeness times and shit. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking tell her that I don't believe in voting. I think the government is illegitimate. I think, uh, you know, all this kind of shit. And she's just going to be like, Oh, uh, <laughs> and like, yeah, we're, we're, I'm gay now. Or something, you know what I mean? She's going to break up with me. So, it, no, and then she turns out that she had been like a Ron Paul supporter. She was a libertarian. She was like, she wasn't as far down the anarchist road as me, but she was like, okay, that's fine. I respect that. I understand where you're coming from. And like, we just had this like great conversation about politics and like, and philosophy and different ideas. And so we we're, like, were like, oh, okay, well, that's fucking great. And I was like, I, I'm going to figure out how to find out the size of your finger because I want to put a ring on it. So what how I go ahead, man. Sorry. I was gonna say, what is something you like about her? My wife is amazing, dude. She's fucking brilliant. Uh she doesn't know it. She's like she always like bags on herself. She fucking she like but she's fucking brilliant, dude. Um she will uh she'll be listening to like like she doesn't listen to politics, she doesn't fucking care about conspiracy theories grounds me she lives in a normal fucking world um but she'll she'll like hear me, like my weird shit that i'm listening to and then she'll have like a totally unique take and a really like fucking based one sometimes and i'm like fuck you're right like she's a unique thinker she's fucking smart she's awesome um so that's something um yeah dude she's just amazing and she also was like when we had our when she got pregnant and we were talking about kids and stuff and we kind of had that talk where like, like I don't really believe in like spanking kids. Like I want to do peaceful parenting and I also don't want our little boy to be snipped. I don't think we should fucking uh, circumcise him and we're not putting a vaccine in his body. And she was like, thank God. I would thought we were going to have to fight about these things. So like, she like, she was on board with all of that. So, uh, I mean, I just lucked out, dude. Like, mm. I have an amazing wife. That's good. So what is it like being a dad with kids? It's the best, dude. It's the fucking best. My kids are literally my everything. Like I had my, my son, my, my, my young or my oldest was there for my high school graduation. Um, cause I was a young dummy. Um, kids, my kids, man, they're, they're, I don't know how to say it, man. They're literally everything to me. Um, this sounds cliche that like you don't understand your purpose or meaning. You don't understand like what it means to be a fucking human. You don't understand any of this shit until you pop a kid out. It's true. 
like I don't know if you have any kids on it, but I'm still single. I'm still looking. Yeah. When you have a fucking kid, you're like, holy fucking shit. It all makes sense. I get it. Like, it's just your heart changes. You become a more empathic, kinder, sweeter person, too, because you're holding this little fuck. I mean, unless you're a psycho, there's some assholes, right? But like, you're holding this little fucking baby. You're like, hey, and you look at him, and you're like, our hands are identical. I, I see that big fucking no, you know, like it's just it's the best thing in the world, dude. But I would literally fucking kill or die or do anything for my fucking kids. So what important lessons do you want your kids to learn from you or you want to pass on to them? Well, this one bites me in the ass sometimes, but I had a conversation with my son when he was when he was younger and I was like the whole question absolutely everything. And why is someone telling me this? And like, and so, I mean, this is why he, like anytime that he wanted to go to normal school, we homeschooled him for the majority of, of his life. Um, but like, sometimes he'd want to go to normal school to make friends and stuff. So really, all right. He, he'd get kicked out or he'd get in trouble because like, like me, when I was a young man, I decided that I wasn't going to pledge allegiance to the flag anymore. And, uh, I, got oh, I, used to a lot during, I used to do that a lot during school. I used to be the first one up doing the Pledge of Allegiance, but everyone else was just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what are we saying? What are we doing? Like, I'm Pledge of Allegiance to what? What are these words that are like, no, fuck you. I was, I was in third grade when I decided that I wasn't going to do it anymore. And I got in trouble. Like, this was a big fucking deal. But so I like taught that saying, or I don't know if it's taught because you know what? My dad was was a fucking renegade too. My brother turned out to be a libertarian anarchist uh, who doesn't fucking vaccinate his kids. Like, like I think it, there is some genetic, like we're, we're born contrarians. We're fucking assholes. And so my son, I, I can see my little one. He's already doing it too. Like he's a year and a half right now and I can see it in him already. But like uh, my oldest dude, he's an anarchist and he doesn't even know it. Like we, we sit there and we, t we talk about these things and we have these wonderful fucking conversations. Um, sometimes, sometimes he's an asshole. Um, but sometimes we have these great philosophical conversations. We'll talk about the nature of the universe and like different like ideas and thoughts and like theories and philosophy. And I, I think that was the thing that I taught him early on too, was literally question everything. Anyone that's telling you something, think about, what they're telling you never take anything that anyone tells you for a fact and so and i said even me and so now you like and that one came to bite me in the ass that's what i was talking about because i'll be like you need to do this because of this and well and i'm like so if you could change four world problems what would that be and why world problems yeah. um there is this um there's this philosopher who is now dead, very brilliant guy. His name was Marie Rothbard, and he wrote this this uh, uh, what the hell do you call it? Anyways, he he wrote a thing, and uh, this article, I guess you could say, and it was called um, "But Do You Hate the State?" I think that's what it was called. Something like that. Anyways, it, the concept of this idea was if there if there was if you're sitting in a room. And in the middle of the room on the table, there's a button. And if you press that button, the government completely disappears. 
completely. There's no more government structure. All of that is gone. Now, his question was, because he wanted to know who his allies were. He's like, would you press it so hard you break your fucking finger? Would you press it so many times till your finger bled? And I would press the button. That's what I would do if I could change the world. Now, I understand there would be astronomical consequences to this. I would still press that fucking button. Mm -hmm. So what is holding humans back from working together on a global scale? Cunts. Want to elaborate on that? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Psychopathic, uh, vampiric, pedophilic sociopaths. These people feel that they were born in these elite bloodlines and they feel that they have the divine right to tell you how to live your fucking life. They feel like they have the right of kings, that they are allowed to tell you how to live your life. Those pieces of shit are holding us back. And But it's more than that, because if you were just a crazy person who believed that, okay, all right, well, go fuck off. It's people giving their power away to these psychos. We're doing it for convenience. We give up freedom. That's what's holding humanity back. We're faggots. and We allow fuckfaces and cunts to tell us what to do. That's a good point. I agree with that 100%. The people that are like, too worried about worshiping celebrities and politicians, but not thinking they're not thinking straight like these people don't give a fuck about you at all. No, not at all. Not at all. And those celebrities and politicians are just there to distract you. Exactly. They're doing they're doing the circus over here and you're like, Whoa, what? Hey, there's a tranny on my beer can. You know, just it's so fucking stupid. Chinese spy balloons. They're fucking retards. Yeah, they are. I agree with that. So what do you think the world will look like in five years from now? Dude, um, I I like to think that it, we're not going to be uh, real fucked. But um, five years from now, that's a good question. I, I'd like to think, okay, are you asking me what I want to see or what I actually think is going to happen? What do you think? Okay, what I actually think is going to happen is that our economic system is going to collapse by then. Um, so the U.S. dollar will not be in charge anymore. I think they'll replace it with a CBDC. I think they've done that on purpose, that they've been like uh, purposefully like dismantling and destroying the American economy like with this modern monetary theory. And before that, it was uh, Keynesianism. And before that, it was the Federal Reserve. Is this whole idea that, like, basically, you don't have to fuck, like, everyone knows that it's a fucking checkbook. We all know that you spend more money than you get. And if you do, then you're in debt and you kind of get fucked. And so, but, like, there's, like, philosophers and, and, like, thought leaders and, like, economists that, like, promise you things that, like, are not possible. It's not possible to do this. And well, we just tax the billionaires. And you're like, you could literally take every single bit of wealth from all of those billionaires, and it would. Do you know if you took the world's richest people for one? I think it's like for a month or something like that. It would fund the U.S. government. It's something fucking silly like that because we use fake money. We print out of nowhere. So 
I think the economy is going to fucking hit the rocks like it should have a long time ago. Um, I also think that um, this sounds shitty. We're probably actually going to have the war with China. Um, I don't want us to. I'm very against war. I'm very anti-war. That's what's probably going to happen. And I think we're going to get our shit pushed in. Possibly, we might be able to find it back. Like, economically, it, it's going to be a war for all the fucking cookies, dude. You know what I mean? The question is oh, to end the episode. What is giving you hope right now? Um, well, I mean, a cop-out answer, like, one that people would be like, what the fuck? It's like, Jesus, like, I, I do think that. Um, but also, like, dude, I'm an endless optimist, and I just believe in humanity. And I think that, like, honestly, this government, even if it fucking collapses, even if the U.S. dollar collapses, I think humanity wins. I think that, like, we take back our sovereignty. I think it'd be out of necessity. I think Americans are too fat and happy and comfortable. And so we don't... Uh, we just kind of let things happen to us. And we're just like, oh, well, whatever. It's just bump stocks. You know, I mean, Trump's a good guy. He, he believes in the Second Amendment, kind of. Well, he's also pushing red flag laws. But, I mean, Donald Trump, he believes in freedom. Like, I, we're just too fat and fucking comfortable. And, like, we allow shit to happen to us because we can just go home and jerk off to fucking Pornhub and, oh, I can get Krispy Kremes and fucking McDonald's on the way home and get my tranny beer. And then I can watch um, American Idol or some horrible dog shit. People are, it, we're too comfortable. So when shit hits the fan and that comfort, that fucking rug is pulled out from under us, I think there's going to be some people that just crash and burn because they're, they're used to American Idol and tranny beer. And then there's going to be other people that fucking like wake the fuck up. And they were like, oh, we used to be wolves. Like, I know I look like a dog now, but now I'm putting my fucking ears back up. Like, oh, I still have canine teeth. Like, you have to fucking, you have to take your power back, your autonomy back. I hope that's what happens. Mm -hmm. That's what, that's honestly... And also, the government's a big, giant behemoth, dude. It can't keep up. It can't, like, compete technologically. I mean, it can to some degree, but, like, there's, like, crypto anarchists that are always doing, like, little backdoor shit. Like, that's why I'm an agorist. Agorists are, like, solution-based. Like, we want to have, like, trading on the side. It's about having, like, a counter-economy. Like, when they tell me, because I won't get a fucking microchip in my head, and I won't get a fucking, like, whatever, and I, I won't get my 12th fucking shot, I won't eat my fucking, like... I don't know, my bug burgers or something. So they're going to tell me I can't participate in society. I'm like, I haven't been part of your society for a long time. Go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, what are three podcasts you recommend to my listeners and why? Okay. Uh, Media Monarchy. I definitely suggest uh, it's uh, James Evan Pilato. He's been doing this since like, um, fuck man. I think like 2015, he's had a show. Um, uh, he's fucking brilliant. He's fucking funny. It's five days a week. He hits you with, uh, with like news, but it's all like, but it's just, he just has an interesting way of presenting the news and it's non-biased. And for the most part, you know what I mean? He's a libertarian anarchist. So he, like, he's going to give you the, just not the left or right spin and just, and he just has like a funny way of doing it. So it's one of those shows that like, there's a bunch of like inside jokes and a bunch of like, you know, that sort of thing. So it's going to take you a couple episodes to catch on. But once you do it, it's literally my fucking favorite show. So that's one. 
Um, and so he, so he does like one that's like that. And then the second show in the day, he calls it pump up the volume and where he does like music where he just does like awesome, like all kinds of, cause he was a radio DJ. He was a, a real ra- syndicated radio host. And he was like, fuck this and made his own show and got out. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally from Portland too. So shout out to him. Oh, well, I mean, West Virginia originally, but he was a D, uh, radio DJ in Portland. Um, so that's one show. Uh, another show that I recommend. Let me look at my podcast feed. That's because um, there are some shows that I listen to routinely that I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> like, uh, like because I listen for just for like their spin on bullshit. I'll listen to some lefty shit. I'll also listen to Ben Shapiro almost every day. But fuck Ben Shapiro. So I'm not telling people to listen to him. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Crow Triple Seven is fucking great. Um, if I, it depends what kind of show you're after. So like something that like I enjoy is Last Podcast on the Left. They fucking crack me up. Um, they talk about like serial killers or they talk about true crime or or uh, like conspiracy theory. Or they used to, and it's just three comedic dudes that like talk about stuff. Um, but they're like kind of woke lefty kind of dorks. So like something. You know, you can, you got to fucking chew the meat out and spit out the bones, sort of thing. Um, uh, let me see here. Okay, you definitely need need to listen to the Corbett report. That's gonna fucking help you out a lot. Um, James Corbett is the man. I also got to talk to James Corbett. Man, that was a dream come true getting to talk to James Corbett. Um, he's okay, but here's a show that you have to listen to, and I'm talking to him Friday. This is another dream come true, and your audience is going to get to hear it before I put the episode out. I'm talking to Ryan Christian from The Last American Vagabond. Um, I love that dude. His show is so informative. It's going to tell you every fucking thing that's happening, the unadulterated just fucking facts. And what's great about these guys, they're the type of – I can't remember what they call it, but it's like – it's that type of journalism where – absolutely everything is like documented. So like he will give you all of the show notes with every single thing that he's talking about. He cites his sources. So like, there's not, there's no arguing. He's just like, this is what's going on. And he doesn't like tell you this is the facts because I have the source. He like, is like his whole fucking mantra is like question everything. This is what is being reported. This is what's happening right now. This is what their sources are saying. Like, like in the heat of this shit, he was like, Hey, you know, Pfizer out one side of their mouth is saying this, but here is some fucking documents that like is actually fucking going on in the clinical trials. They didn't fucking tell you because like they didn't have to report on them if these people dropped out. So, but what happened to these people that dropped out? Oh, it was like over 40% of women lost their fucking had uh, miscarriages and shit Mm. when they were doing the clinical trial on pregnant women. Like there's some awful fucking shit that happened. You know what I mean? Like, Anyway, so Ryan Christian, The Last American Vagabond, everybody fucking listen to that show. He's the fucking shit. He's the man. He's also a former chef. And so that's the conversation that I want to have with him. I'm excited to talk to him. Um, Also, shout out to my buddy Scott Armstrong. Um, He's the fucking man. Everybody needs to listen to his fucking show. His show's called Rebunked. Um, Yeah, there's too many shows, dude. Um, Yeah, I could just keep telling the fucking podcast to listen to now lastly where can people find you online okay uh so we we're on rockfin come 
come follow us on Rockfin. If you want to support us, that's great. Like sign up through our finger mom Bob or whatever that that's very helpful. Um, if you want to, I, I keep saying that I'm going to start a Patreon. I don't know if I am or like, I have it all set up. I just have to like actually do it. Um, but I want to put out the majority of all of my content out for free. Um, basically join the Patreon if you just want to support us, you know, and we'll do some cool stuff. Like I'll do some, like, uh, probably some like listener content and, and like, I'll fucking, I'll like, I'll interact with you guys. Like we'll do episodes together or something with my listeners or they can tell me what they want to talk about or whatever. I don't know. Something like that. Um, but anyways, we're on Instagram. That's where we're, that's where we're very active. You can come and talk to us, talk shit, share memes, like, um, our our DMs are open always on on everything that we're on. So join our Telegram group, share some spicy fun memes. Um, my email I always give it out because like I like my my listeners to be able to fucking hit me up like directly. So realitiesars at gmail dot com, uh, c z a r s zars realitiesars at gmail dot com. Hit me up uh, if you want to collaborate. If you've got some fun ideas like. I'm, I'm, we're an open people. You know what? The other thing is if I'm actually, dude, I haven't drank in a couple months. I've, I'm, I haven't, dude, I'm announcing all kinds of stuff on your show. So I haven't fucking drank in a couple months and I, I think that I'm going to fucking stay sober. Right. Um, I just got a hair up my ass and I was like, I think alcohol is kind of garbage and poison and I'm just kind of done with it. So I, I kind of stopped drinking, but I hang out with my listeners. Sometimes they hit me up. Like I've, I've gotten, gotten beers with my with my audience and stuff or with like people that want to like hang out um so yeah i mean hit me up if you're within an hour of portland and you want to fucking hang out and like i'll grab a soda with you while you're drinking a beer we can eat a slice of pizza or something and like talk shit talk about alien pedophiles or something i don't know have fun and you guys can follow me on twitter and instagram hocket podcast is on the screen and i'm also on rumble and youtube same handle uh thank you so much Nate, for coming on the show today Dude, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.